0: from KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. As of this morning, 539 inmates have contracted the coronavirus at San Quentin State Prison, more than any other state prison in California. Inmates are stuck and they're scared. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has more.
3: The number of cases started skyrocketing after 120 inmates were transferred into San Quentin from a prison in Chino at the end of May. San Quentin reported its first COVID-19 case at the beginning of June. Inmate Brian Acey, who's serving a life sentence, says COVID-19 has reached his building.
0: So with it being here now, people are really scared.
3: He says inmates have to stay in their cells almost all the time now. And he hasn't been able to shower since last Thursday. And on top of everything else, inmates aren't getting any information from prison staff, AC says.
0: We don't know anything. They're not telling us anything. Only thing we can see is what's on the news. If you believe everything that's on the news, you'll go crazy. It's it's really scary now.
3: AC tries to keep himself busy in his cell, mostly reading and sleeping. He says many of the inmates in San Quentin have mental issues, and prison isn't the right place for them in the first place. And many others who are elderly, nearing their release dates, or both, just need to be sent home, he says.
0: They have to start releasing people, you know. They spend more time on trying to keep these people in here and lock them up. When some people go home in six months or seven months, they can let those people go. I mean, if, if they get
2: rid of all this overcrowded, it wouldn't be so bad.
3: On Thursday, the state's Office of the Inspector General was investigating the death of one of San Quentin's condemned inmates, who was found unresponsive Wednesday night. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin.
0: If you've tried to get a COVID 19 test lately, it may have felt like a scramble. But what if your job offered you one? Some construction crews in Sacramento now have that option. And as Cap Radio's Pauline Bartoloni found, other employers are exploring whether they should do the same.
2: William Woodard's electrical company keeps power flowing to major Sacramento area institutions like college campuses. When COVID-19 shut down businesses months ago, his crew kept going on some sites with as many as 100 workers.
1: There were a lot of precautions taking on those sites, temperature checks on the way in, COVID worksheets we'd have to fill out before we come on site every day
2: so woodard jumped on the opportunity when a construction trade association invited his crew to get tested for both an active infection or a prior exposure all
1: right you like this arm
2: i don't care wherever we want to go the associated builders and contractors set up this makeshift clinic in one of their offices the tests are paid for by insurance Michelle Doherty of the Northern California chapter said it will help them understand if their on-the-job safety precautions have worked. And it's somewhat of an advocacy project to keep her industry busy. And If we were safe and worked this whole time, is there opportunity for more people to get back to work?
4: Because again, if people aren't working, the economy is not working. And if the economy is not working, we're not building.
2: Large and small companies are looking into testing from dental offices to pet care to the beauty industry. We have never had a clearer example of how our economic health is tied to our physical health. Elizabeth Mitchell with Pacific Business Group on Health says a small share of her members have tested for active infections, but it's too early for antibody testing on the job. We think we're just a little bit ahead of the science. We don't know that it is reliable. We are tracking that very closely. But public health researchers warn employers would have to be careful with how they use the information. Right here? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, For the California Report, I'm Pauline Bartoloni.
0: California's Attorney General is seeking a court injunction that would force ride-hailing companies Lyft and Uber to make their drivers employees immediately. KQED's Sam Harnett has the story. For close to a decade, Uber and Lyft have profited by classifying their drivers as contractors, denying them employee benefits and protections like overtime and unemployment. If a judge grants this injunction, the companies would have to provide all this for hundreds of thousands of drivers in California, many of whom are suffering because of plunging demand for rides during the pandemic. Uber, Lyft, and other gig work companies are spending more than $100 million on an initiative on the November ballot that would upend a new law. But in the meantime, if the court grants this injunction and they don't comply, the state could impose fines and even detain executives. For the California Report, I'm Sam Harnett. Now to a new podcast from our partners at KCRW in Los Angeles. It looks at homelessness through the eyes of one native Angelino. It's called Samaritans from reporter Anna Scott, who's joining us. But first, here's a clip.
4: One day in 2016, Christine Curtis walked out of a 7-Eleven. This was around the mid-city neighborhood of Los Angeles. And I don't know what I bought, but I saw this big like limo pull up, and I noticed it had the city plates on it. At the time, Christine had been homeless for years. And this man gets out, and I thought it was just some rich guy who was coming to hand me some money, and it turned out to be Mayor Garcetti. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti. I didn't tell him I knew who he was. I knew who he was. And he he just wanted to give me some advice, because that week he said it was going to rain really bad, and it turned out it did. He, he said I should go to a shelter. That's all he had to say. I said, well, thank you for your concern. That's all I said. <laughs> that was it. So welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much.
0: There is a lot to unpack from that anecdote. What does what we just heard say about this series as a whole?
4: Well, one thing is I hope it gives people a flavor of the podcast. You know, it's a a podcast about homelessness, which is a depressing topic, but there's humor in this story, there's joy, and at the center of the story is this woman whose voice you just heard, Christine Curtis, who's a really fascinating person and even a fun person to hang out with. Um, and, And also to me, this anecdote encapsulates a lot about what I discovered following Christine over the course of many months. You know, it's on the one hand, this nice moment, the mayor being compassionate towards Christine, but at the time that this happened, which was around 2016, in the whole LA County, there were about three times more people experiencing homelessness than shelter beds and not nearly enough permanent housing units either. So the mayor's advice was really useless to her. And it it just speaks to how this crisis is the result of the current housing market pushing people out with... High prices, but also it's the result of decades of not treating homelessness as an emergency and letting this backlog of people build up on the streets.
0: Tell us about Christine. She is very charming. She also has a lot of allies trying to help her and yet even she gets stuck in the system.
4: Yeah, this story actually came about because she had been staying in the neighborhood where I live in mid-city Los Angeles, and my in-laws live nearby as well. And so early last year, my father-in-law told me he'd become friends with her. He would bring her food and water sometimes, and there were a lot of neighbors that, that helped her out in that way. But, you know, this sporadic help wasn't really a solution, so so he asked me if I knew of any way to get her formal help. And that's how this all started. I, I pointed him to a county website where you can request street outreach for specific people he did that and then I followed this process and what I found was that the work of getting people off the streets in LA is done by so many entities the city the county many nonprofits, and they're not very well coordinated and don't always communicate well and it really takes a dedicated person or more than one person to navigate this system and Christine was lucky she had that she had all of these friends but a lot of people don't.
0: All right. Anna Scott, reporter and host of the new podcast from KCRW Samaritans. Thank you so much, Anna.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It has been quite a week for immigration news. The Supreme Court yesterday agreed with the Trump administration that if asylum seekers are turned down in an initial interview, they can be rapidly deported without the right to go before a judge. I'm joined by KQED's immigration editor, Taiki Hendricks, for a roundup of all things immigration and what it all means for California. Hey, Taiki. Hey, Lily. So this latest Supreme Court decision is a win for the Trump administration, but it comes shortly after another Supreme Court decision preserving the DACA program for undocumented immigrants brought here as kids. What's going on outside the courts?
1: Right. Well, you're seeing the administration make a bunch of moves right now on immigration Wednesday, the president used the border fence down in Yuma, Arizona as a kind of a backdrop for his reelection campaign. He even actually autographed the fence and, you know, building that, quote unquote, wall and restricting immigration were campaign promises back in 2016. And he's really doubling down now.
0: Okay, well, a border fence is a symbol of keeping people from entering the country illegally. But he's also making some moves that affect legal immigration. Tell us about that.
1: Right. So earlier this week, Trump announced that the government would stop issuing work visas and immigrant visas for the rest of the year. It extends a ban on new green cards for immigrants seeking permanent residence, which mostly affects family members of Americans. And this week he added a freeze on temporary visas like H-1Bs for high skilled workers and H-2Bs for seasonal workers. And this is ostensibly about the pandemic and protecting American jobs. But the truth is that Trump advisors like Stephen Miller have been trying to slash immigration for years, and they're finding ways to use the public health crisis for that. And what do you mean by that,
0: using the public health crisis?
1: Well, another thing that's been going on for months now, kind of below the radar, Border Patrol agents are expelling tens of thousands of migrants using a little-known public health power related to communicable disease. But it bypasses asylum law, and it's not giving people, including children, even an initial screening to see if they have a legal claim to protection. Also, today, the Trump administration is due to publish a new rule making it harder for asylum seekers who are in the country to get a work permit while they wait for their cases to be decided.
0: So what does this mean, Taiki, for people in California?
1: Yesterday's Supreme Court ruling is going to make it tougher for asylum seekers to actually reach California, and those who are here will now have to wait an entire year to apply for a work permit. It could push them to work under the table, or it may make them more likely to give up their asylum claim if they can't support themselves. And those work visa restrictions, those limits on the H-1Bs, are making Silicon Valley companies very upset. They depend on immigrant workers who they say fuel the economy and could actually help with the recovery. And plus, thousands of those workers who are here right now are fearful because they're being told that if they travel, they're not going to be allowed back into the country. So immigration may be a political issue, Lily, but policy changes like this have real-life effects for millions of people.
0: They sure do. Thank you so much, Taiki.
1: Thank you, Lily.
0: This week on our sister program, The California Report magazine, reporter Alex Hall takes us inside a Latino church in Fresno where parishioners are forced to confront whether their priest is a miracle worker. He
3: said, you have been touched by the Holy Spirit, and I believed him.
0: Or a predator.
1: It's kind of like, am I still a man? Or am I like, am I even man enough? Because, you know, it's just like, I let another guy touch me.
0: Some of Father Antonio Castaneda's followers swear he's innocent. Others were willing to risk deportation to bring him to justice.
1: I have absolutely no question in my mind that there are hundreds of victims out there.
0: To hear the documentary, Rest in the Spirit, tune into The California Report magazine on this station or download the podcast. And that's The California Report for this Friday, June 26th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Raquel Maria Dillon, Alice Wolfley and Mary Franklin Harvin are our producers Angela Corral is the editor of the show. Vinny Tong is our managing editor. Ethan Lindsay is our executive editor. And Holly Kernan is our chief content officer. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend.
2: Support for The California Report. Comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic, on the web at chcf.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low income workers have the power to advance economically, learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the
0: host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians,
2: authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Dot org slash to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
4: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners.